Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Get into it! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 9.5 of the Good Buzz <laughs> Podcast, a show about the Toronto Maple Leafs, not marijuana, but weed is tight. My name is Joey Belfiore, and I'm here with Andrew Bascom for the second time this week, kind of. Andrew, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great again. Uh, only in Toronto, Joey. Only in Toronto. Only in Toronto. Yeah, I wonder maybe. who said that. I wonder who said who it. I know. I wonder which one of those rat kings on Florida Panthers. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm still fired up from last night's game. My mind went to Ryan Lomberg. I don't know why. I just wow. thought like, that he'd, he'd be the guy to say that. I don't know. It totally could have been that rat face Sam Bennett or that Sam rat Bennett. motherfucker Matt Kachuk or <laughs> that other rat motherfucker Paul Maurice. Um, but yeah, what a game last night. What a game. What a win. Obviously, even when they lost, I was like, I think they're going to win. Here we go. Yeah. I, I, You know, it's, it's, it's truly a remarkable thing, the number of people in my life that went, Wait, what happened? Wait, what happened? I turned it off. And you're like, yeah, you, you turned it me. off. Oh, is that you too? Me. I uh, I was going to ask you if you turned it off. I turned it off. <laughs> I, I, So I was working and I had a moment to be like, okay, they're in a shootout. Yeah. I'm going to quickly put this on my phone. I have some time. So I'm like, I, I throw it up on my phone and Nick Robertson's shooting at the time. He misses. Yeah. And then, uh, who was it? Evan Rodriguez? Yeah. Coming Rodriguez. back the other way. Yeah. And puts it in and Flores celebrates and I roll my eyes and I throw my phone back in my pocket. And then I'm sitting down and I open my phone and I get the notification like the from the Leafs app saying Leafs win 2-1 in a shooter. And I'm like, oh, that's a glitch. That's annoying. What a brutal What an glitch. annoying glitch. Yeah, come <laughs> yeah. on, man. Like yeah, we're playing yeah, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then your texts in the group chat. I yes. was like, wait, what happened? Yes. I I can't. I, you know what the thing is too is, you know, I, there's a lot of reasons to get on Toronto fans. Um home fans that are in the stadium. I, I totally understand why people are like, oh, whatever. But the fact that people are like, oh, they were leaving. I'm like, well, the game was over. They, they scored the goal that, that ended the game. I don't blame anyone yes. for going, well, time to go home. It's like, no, you shouldn't. You usually sit around and go like, well, let's see what happens here for five more minutes. Yeah. Um, they actually cut to a lot of like, re- I thought some of the camera cuts were really funny of ushers like waving people back in, everyone's smiling yeah. and running down the stands. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was good. It was yeah. good. A nice little mojo changer because, uh, I mean, God, we needed it, right? Yeah. We talked. So kind of full full circle here, why I said episode nine and a half. We recorded an episode on Monday uh, to come out Tuesday. We had a bit of a technical issue. And then the episode, or I guess my voice in the episode just evaporated. I didn't <laughs> yeah, record. Yeah, I so uh, we figured instead of just posting that one. Let's mm-hmm. re-record again after everything that happened last night against Florida. Um, so yeah, we kind of <laughs> talked about the mojo changer, something that was needed because of how poorly we played against both Chicago and Pittsburgh yeah. the weekend before, coming with one point out of four against two teams that are clearly supposed to be worse than us in the standings. Yes. Yes. That same issue of playing shit against shit opponents. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's funny how dated the episode became within 24 hours just because of that Florida game. You know, I, I don't think we're going to change our opinion whatsoever, but coming off of a two-game road trip where you lose both games kind of badly to the Florida game where so much happens. You know, it's almost a separate from the win and the fact that we're going to get two points. It was just, it was eventful all over the place. And so we made sure that we had to go, oh my God, we got to talk about this. And I don't, where do you want to start? Do you want to go, do you want to go right to Florida or do you want to talk about the two uh, losses? Let's go right to Florida because okay. I think the two lo- the two losses, I j- the stuff we want to talk about, we are going to get to later. Okay. So let's go Sounds into Florida. Good. 
Yeah. I, you know, where, where do we start? I, I think it's, it's always interesting seeing Florida now. It's funny how quickly you can become rivals in this sport. And after last, uh, last year's playoffs and we want Florida and everything like that. I, it's amazing how much I absolutely despise this team. And Mm -hmm. I will say these games are absolutely worth, uh, the billing. Like you, you get, you get your entertainment out of these 60 minutes plus of hockey that you get out of Florida. Yeah, for sure. It's it's the new the new Tampa Bay Lightning, sure. the new flavor of or the the flavor that we hate obviously with the way <laughs> last year ended. Shit and flavor. and it's it's not just what happens on the ice because yeah. there is a lot that happens on the ice, but it's the it's the Palmer's remarks in the presser. <sighs> it's it's so many other things. It's the only in Toronto thing. Like yeah. What does that even mean? Because I don't know if you remember last year in the playoffs in the deciding game, we had a goal disallowed that from what I saw, clearly crossed the line. So I, it, w- when you're making excuses like that, only in Toronto, what are you talking about? It was a it was a double tap. That, I, it's an, it it's an unavoidable problem that people will always go like, well, the head office is in Toronto. Uh, the refereeing central command is in Toronto. So therefore, Toronto gets all the calls. When Especially, you could just go back to Florida and you go like, yeah, you're right. In the last year's playoffs, that disallowed goal, uh, they doubled us in penalties in the last you know three games, like, or excuse me, power plays. You know, it's just over and over again. You're like, we don't get any break. And so much so, I had to look it up. In the last five seasons, penalties for Toronto in our home games. We are 22nd, 11th, 22nd, 25th, 13th, 31st, 27th, and 14th. Like, we're not even in the top 10. We never get an advantage. So the idea that, like, this is, I, you know, it was, it, to get an advantage over nothing would be one thing. But clearly the guy hit it twice. So I kind of don't know what you're complaining about. Yeah, it's funny to to see a bunch of people kind of get really upset. Uh, obviously, like fans of Montreal or sure. stuff on Twitter basically yeah. being like, it was not a double touch. <laughs> Nice. That was good. <laughs> I my lawnmower does not work. It was not. <laughs> it was. You know the thing is, there's one angle where it clearly shows he double taps, and then from the it, the, the top angle and from the side, it doesn't look like it. You know what? Whatever. I we do not get a break ever by the fucking ref. So I will take anything we got at this point. And you know what? We still had to go back and score. They still had an opportunity to shoot and score, and they didn't. So you know, suck it. Yeah. Um, also, something that was very prevalent in that game was the physicality on both ends. I think we've yeah. come to learn that a game against Florida is going to be physical. Uh, just kind of what happens now, sure. just with that, the recent history, uh, the Domi fight, or I guess lack thereof, yeah. followed by the uh, scratching of the hair. Yeah. Um, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I don't know. Like, for me, it's not about winning or losing a fight. That's not what fighting is. No. It's about the fighting fact that is- he fought. Exactly. Yes. That's what it is. It's to give the jolt to both the the locker room, the bench, and the fans, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. To keep them in it, to keep them entertained, uh, or to get them back in it when things were not going well for us uh, after a pretty lackluster way to end that first period where Florida kind of just pressed and pressed and pressed. Yeah, the, the hits in the game were 41-40, so they're pretty even throughout the game. The, the Leafs were really physical, and really, you know, it was the Stars again in the third that were just throwing their body around. Austin Matthews, um, mm-hmm. Mitch Marner, you know, like putting their weight into th- things, you know, like it's, we talk about this on the podcast all the time, but like there's this perception that they don't hit, like Austin Matthews doesn't hit, and you're like, and he's like in the top 10 in hits in the league, and you're like, nah, okay, whatever. Um you know, it was really physical, and I think more than anything, Sam Bennett doing Sam Bennett things because he's an untalented player, and yet he survives in the NHL. Uh, will do things like when he's in the scrum, that absolute flop. It's so much yeah. so he had to double wince to get it, get attention. Uh, and then Max Domi, I can't believe he was able to play on the power play right after. Oh, that. It's incredible, like the <laughs> bravery, so strong. You know, Bennett strong. We're gonna hand out ribbons next game. 
Uh, and then the fact that D- Domi, you know, drops the gloves with a guy that legitimately has 30 pounds on him is very impressive. And I says, says more about the team and doing that. And I, I, I just think it was a great way to stand up for yourself and the team. Yeah. It's all about not sitting around and doing nothing. Yes. So whatever that something is, uh, as long as you're smart about it, like it's, it's just don't do nothing. Don't just stand there, which is kind of what we have done in the past and what a lot of the fan base kind of gets upset about, but you know, win or lose the fight, it's drop the gloves. That's all. You Absolutely. Want. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was, that was a really good sign. And yes, yeah, Sam Bennett continues to be just a deplorable human being. So, uh, you know, but on top of that, you know, we had, I think the other maybe big highlight you can talk about is Paul Maurice continuing to be, Honest to God, a wrestling heel, like a wrestling manager from the 80s who is just like, like, you know, he can't believe he's mm-hmm. going to faint onto his fainting couch every time that there's a penalty. Like, you couldn't believe it. Um, and to be honest, I hate Paul Maurice and stuff like that. And he used to be the coach. I kind of love this kind of stuff where he like, like, you can read his mouth so very clearly going, another one? Fuck off. Like, it's just so good. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yes. As much as I, uh, as much as he pisses me off recently. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. He's setting it up. He's setting it up constantly with the media that mm-hmm. Florida doesn't get any calls and Toronto gets all the calls so that Florida can get away with fucking murder yes. a lot of the time. Like, yes. do you know how many times Matthew Kuchuk is punching someone in the face in front of the net? Yeah. Like where that has happened. If, if, if we try that, Jake McCabe tries that, he goes right to the box. I know. Yes. Like the, right. the amount of times Matt, Matthew Kuchuk runs a goalie, like... They do this time and time and again. That's their identity. And it works for them because we know that the whistles kind of get put away in the playoffs and they get to get away with so much more. So a team like Florida, who already tries to push the envelope like that, is just going to benefit from it. And Paul Maurice, with that narrative in the pressers and during the games to the refs, like this is all planned in my mind. And in, in his, in, in yeah. Paul Maurice's kind of plan here his narrative he's planning this it's working i think he's doing a good job with it i just don't think that's something sheldon can do in the uh, toronto spotlight without just getting fried for it the problem is this is the only in toronto thing it's not actually a positive it's a negative you can't get away with by doing that you know i i just it drives me crazy it is a strategy it works for them so you, you can't blame a guy for working a strategy that is successful it really reminds you of cooper doing the exact same thing uh, his other Florida colleague, you know, so yeah, I, it's, it's frustrating, but I understand why he does it. If it keeps working, why would he stop doing it? Um, but they do, God, do they get away with murder though? It's just, it's just funny. You can look at, there is talent on the team. Kachuk is a talented player. Barkov's a talented guy, you know, Ekblad's a talented guy, but most of that team is kind of untalented and they get away with working in the margins by being a little greasy. And that's why we could sit here and be so frustrated by them. Yet their success is undeniable. Yep. It is undeniable, yep. and it's frustrating. It is. It's incredibly <laughs> frustrating. God, I hate them so much. <laughs> uh, a super positive from last night. Yes. Joe Wall. So when we fake recorded this podcast, <laughs> we, I we, asked you what you wanted to see this week, and you said steady goaltending. Yeah. Uh, and that was probably the best goaltending effort we've seen all year from either of our netminders. Yeah. Uh, Joe Wall stood in his head. Stopped a shit ton of pucks and Ugh. essentially got us that win. Yeah, in the third period, especially when there was the prolonged four minute, uh, there was the double minor, uh, which. Oh, yeah, Max Domi's double minor. Give me a uh, fucking give break. Give me a break. But that that's the one where I'm like, well, there goes the game. <laughs> Here we go. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walt was incredible moving side to side so easily, you know, and he was covering it so much that Florida was having to miss the net because they were trying to be too perfect with it. 
which is such a great, like in your head going like, fuck, it's getting hard to get by this guy. So I, I just thought he played so, so well in the shootout. He played well, the shootout's a fake thing. It's a skills competition. And yet he, he looked really dominant in it. Uh, only allowing one goal, uh, one and a half, depending on how you look at it. And, uh, mm. so yeah, I just, it's really exciting. And it's not even that it's just a relief because even if we had lost that game, we'd be re-recording this podcast, not really starting with goaltending, which would have been the nicest thing in the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, Basically, because as we saw on the weekend, and especially as we saw against Chicago, Ilya Samsonov still can't seem to find his game. You get those <sighs> games here and there where you're like, okay, maybe it's coming. Maybe we're seeing the flashes of Sammy that we saw last year. Yep. And then you have another dud, uh, like when we were in Chicago on Black Friday, where he's just letting in softy after softy. And, and we talked about this, but... He is letting in goals where he has made up his mind and he has gone down on the floor before the shooter has even decided to make a move. Yes. So you're giving yourself up. You're giving up the entire top half of the net. NHL shooters aren't missing. I don't care if you're Connor McDavid or if you're Noah Gregor. Yeah. Maybe a bad example because Noah Gregor's got an absolute snipe on him. Absolutely. But, or if you're fucking Pierre-Luc Dubois like sure sure anyone sure. is going to pick that top corner these are yes. NHL players so if you go down so early like don't get me wrong I am a big believer in the butterf butterfly it is the most widely successful goalie technique of the last 30 years but you can't show your hand that early no you can't just go down uh and try to hug the post while the guy's still coming in of the circle he's got the entire top half of the net I don't know if that's a Curtis Sanford thing oh. I hope it's not yeah because uh not going to stop very many pucks doing that. And I think no. that's, that gives shooters an easy read when you know you're the goalie that obviously these shooters study when they're going to play this goalie. You know what his ta uh, what his tendencies are. Yeah. Yep, yep. They're going to look for that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. We're, we're thinking about one very specific goal in the Penguins. We went up one nothing, and they came back. Oh, and the, the Blackhawks. Blackhawks, yeah, yeah. Oh, the Blackhawks. Excuse me. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, it, we, we went up one nothing, and very quickly they tied the game because Samuel just drops to his knees. And there's a, def it's even that the, the, the Blackhawk player coming in, there's a defender in front of him too. And he just shows exactly where to put it. And he puts it right above his shoulder. And he's like, oh, and you're like, well, where, where did you think he was going to go on this one? I just, I don't understand the urgency of doing this. Like there's a comparison they always bring up about like batters facing pitchers are guessing at what next pitch is going to happen because by the time they can react, they have already made, they, that pitch is already coming in. A goalie can make a decision on a puck by seeing it. When he's already guessing on, he's like, well, I hope he goes low. Like, whoa, he hasn't even shot yet. What are you doing? Like, I just, yeah. I don't really understand it. And it just shows the lack of confidence that he has right now. Because uh, mm -hmm. he's just, he's just not playing confident. It's just, it's just, it's really frustrating to watch. Yeah, it seems like there's always a soft one. Yeah. It's just, there's always a lapse at some point and there's a soft one and it's a backbreaker. And like, it's hard to play in front of that, you know, when yeah. you're, you're a team and you, you got, you've gotten your team the lead and then you give up a softy like that. It's, it's disheartening. It's, it's deflating. Um, yeah, but yeah, we, we talked about Pittsburgh kind of being the opportunity that game for wall to steal the net and it didn't happen, but didn't happen. Uh, Keith goes right back to him. And I think it happens because yes. now you're like, okay, we've got Seattle on Thursday. We've yep. got Boston on Saturday. <sighs> like, I don't know how you start Samsonov in either of those games right now. No, if if Wall goes back for Thursday, you're definitely not starting Samson off on Saturday. So it does it kind of more of a question of are you doing are you gonna go Wall four in a row? Or does Sammy get Thursday? But you do really want to break up what Wall's doing right now. I, I just I kind of don't see how you go back to Samson off right now. Yeah, because I would have said the same sort of thing, right? Like you give Samsonov 
Seattle, so you can give Joe Wall, who's clearly the hotter goalie right now, Boston. But how how do you take the next start away from Joe Wall after that performance last yes. night? I don't yeah. think you can. No, I, I don't think he can. And you know, I I yeah, I don't I don't think he can. And I think we got a bigger issue too. Is that you know, if Wall starts struggling in any way, it doesn't have this great game in Florida. Like obviously, we sounded way different in this first recording because we're going now. What do you definitely? Do? Uh, yeah, who do you definitely. who do you go to now? Now we're like, oh, okay, Wall, this is pretty good. But if Wall struggles again, then you're like, shit, we got to go back to Sammy. Oh my god, this is you know. If Wall can run with this for 10 games, like nothing crazy, right? Like just 10 very solid games, you know, it gives Sammy an opportunity to stay longer in practice, to work on stuff. And maybe he's, you know, figuring some stuff out. But that's that's really the hope and the dream because they're kind of in a tough spot right now. They are. And and I it's it is worrisome to look forward to the spring and think, OK, these are the two goalies that are supposed to lead us to a cup. Um, don't Oof. see it happening right now. Not no. even close. Um, both are going to have to play better if we want any sort of chance at success in the playoffs yeah. because as we all know you only go as far as your goaltending in the playoffs and yeah we're gonna need it boy right yeah. now we don't have it and and the toughest part about going into this too is the the the, de- the defense is excuse me extremely injured right now and Giordano's not going to be playing on Thursday and even going into this we were talking about Giordano being in the top penalty kill unit the oldest skater in the league like this this has a limited uh, ceiling here. Like, and now we're losing him too. I just kind of go, what's happening? Is a trade imminent? Uh, who? Are, what are we doing here? So, okay, here's my here's my thought on this. It's a hand injury. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how serious it is. Um, yes, they've only said he's for sure going to miss tomorrow, and anything beyond that, they don't know. Right? Is this injury for Mark Giordano a blessing in disguise ah. for the long run? Mm. Because. We are leaning on him so heavily right now yeah. based on the fact that the rest of our blue line is banged up. Um, and it's literally Morgan Riley and a bunch of other guys. So it's like Morgan Riley, Mark Giordano, and a bunch of other dudes. And now it kind of allows him to sort of rest his body because as we know, as a 40-year-old, he lost steam in the playoffs. Yes, so does, yes, this, yes, yes. does this hand injury allow him to take maybe some time off where he can just get a little rest in that maybe his body should should get throughout the season just because of his age and and what we will need him in april like we will need mark giordano to play like he has been playing and i'm not suggesting that he's been playing bad i think mark giordano has been an absolute blessing this year great uh i would just like to have that same mark giordano in april and i wonder if a, a couple games off might might benefit. I, you know, it's so funny. I, I didn't, I didn't think about the, uh, the silver lining on all this is that you're right. You know, because supposedly around the Leafs organization too, they have tried to say to him, like, maybe set this practice out or, you know, maybe we'll put you on minutes restriction. And he comes back with a very distinct fuck you and you know, whatever. And he's very aggressive about it, but that's also why he's been such a competitor and such a great uh, hockey player for so long. So yeah, you're right. Maybe the silver lining is for Mark Giordano and the long-term success of the Toronto Maple Leafs that they can get him back. But in the short term, in the short term, now we're moving. Now we're really relying on Benoit and Lodgerson and like these guys playing way Lagerson. more minutes. Lagerson, <laughs> Lagerson. Morgan Riley played thirty minutes and thirty seconds yesterday. Cool. Wow. Okay. I wonder how long we could keep doing this to him. That's the third most uh, in his NHL career, actually. So uh, I just I wonder if a move is coming. If something else bigger on the in the horizon is coming too. 
we know a move is coming. I mean, even yeah. True Living said in the press conference that a move is coming. It's right. just, it depends on is it coming in the next week or is it coming next month? At this point, we don't know. Uh, if you look at the Lilligren injury, you think from where we're, I mean, obviously no news has come out, but you're looking at the high ankle sprain being like a four to six week time period. That puts you in still another week to three weeks away from yep. Lilligren hitting the ice again or, or seeing game action again. So still... Yep. A bunch more games that we're not going to have them for. So yeah, it's it's Lagerson time, and yeah. and maybe a move happens, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's something you can rely on. Being like, we need a we need to make a move this week because we we yeah. got Boston on Saturday. Like I don't know if that's what you do. No, and I get that. And you shouldn't you shouldn't make long term plays just for short term success. I, I totally understand that. But as long as we're talking about goalies, it's not really making their life any easier either. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's so, fair. You know, uh, yeah. One. Uh, one little tidbit from last night. Wall got the belt. I don't know if you yes. saw the video of, of Wall getting the belt. And, and like the, the room was mad because <laughs> everyone wanted Gregor to get it. And I was like, like <laughs> Joe Wall's going to get an opportunity to get the belt again for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he's maybe even already had it this year. But think so. that might have been the only game Gregor could have gotten <laughs> an opportunity to get it. Uh, and that would have been nice. But Willie, uh, Willie gave it to Wall and, and you could hear the jeers. Uh, from the rest of the room because I think they all wanted Gregor to get it. <laughs> yeah, Gregor getting a, a couple stitches and an incredible goal that was almost like a semi-breakaway. Once again, we're huge Gregor fans here. We've been talking about forever that he is so fucking fast. He is so fast as a skater. And they kept highlighting that incredible uh, thing that he was doing on the on the semi-break where you know we always kept joking, if he can shoot, holy shit, this is going to be crazy. And he buried that one top corner. But he was using his knee to protect himself from the stick coming in uh, that was trying to swipe at him. And it just, you know, man, he's playing fourth line minutes and he looks that good. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. Yeah, the he's got a snipe on him. So when, when he picks that corner, it was the exact same move. The, his goal in the shootout is the exact same move. Breakaway coming in, down the left side, drifting right, and then going high blocker, top yeah. right corner, or I guess top left corner from the shooter standpoint. Um, yeah, Awesome. It's it works. Awesome. Awesome. The San Jose Sharks didn't want him. Just keep that in mind. Uh, okay. <laughs> like they, they waved him. It's crazy. Okay. <laughs> the biggest uh, kind of news before the Florida game that we kind of talk about and talk about its, Im- its impact is the the line changing. Yeah. They finally broke up Matthews and Marner. It's over, guys. It's over. Oh, you're <laughs> saying that? You're saying that like it's over. No. We're never going to see it again? Come on. No. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of Come those on. relationships that like never oh, ends, just breaks up yeah. a million times. Uh, Are we Sheldon, Emily again? Oh man! man <laughs> yeah, God yeah. damn oh, again. Damn Sheldon's always been pretty reluctant to break up Matthews and Marner. Uh, this time, it seems like he is doing it, and he's going to do it for a while. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we know that Austin and Willie have been so successful in the past, and. All I think about is JT's first year with us playing with Marner, 47 goals, like just unbelievable. I think this is solid because I think changing things up cannot be a bad thing when what is currently happening is just not working. Yeah. So I understand you're breaking up the best line in hockey or one of the best lines in hockey and JT, Willie and Bertuzzi, but you're replacing John Tavares with Austin Matthews on that line. And then you're creating a pretty sweet second line with, with nice. Oh, sorry. With Bertuzzi. uh, Wow. Bertuzzi Tavares. Do you want help? Okay. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. The (laughs) the Ontario line. Oh my God. I'm like, I got numbers in my head and I'm like, holy fucking shit. (laughs) Basically two great lines. (laughs) 
<laughs> it is. It's, it's a mix up that I think is completely necessary. I think you could talk about the sustain, uh, sustained impact of the Matthews and Marner line, which really, I know we're only naming two of three guys, but like at the end of the day, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter who they're playing with on the wing. It shouldn't matter who they're playing with on the wing. They're so talented. They both make a certain percentage of the cap. They should be uh, uh, mm-hmm. an impact no matter who they're playing with. So I don't really care about that. The fact that they haven't been, uh, it means that, you know, like I would say it's not sustained pressure. That's the problem. It's it's just they've had big games and then some games they they don't. And so I think mixing things up and playing them with the hottest player in the league in, in William Nylander, I think can only be good things. Yeah, and like, I mean, Paul Marie said it himself, like, they do that all the time. Things get stale, and you change it up. It's it's nothing to, it's not considered like a benching or, or a demotion in any sort of no. way. It's just, you've got four really, really talented players. You can mix them around and try things, try new things, and, and hopefully that ignites a spark when things aren't kind of going, humming along the way they should. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is kind of a bigger deal. This is like a very classic Toronto thing where like we change the lines and people are like, whoa. And it's like, well, every hockey team changes the lines all the time. You know what I mean? And I, I also, Keith has not been afraid to do this. This is another thing we talk about in the podcast all the time. The opening uh, lineup, the way that he's breaking down the depth chart is not the way that the game will continue on. Keith does a lot on the fly. And so I think people saw that and went, oh my God, this is a huge deal. And it's like, well, no, I, I really don't. And it, diversity is good. Them changing and be able to play with each other is a good thing. Yeah, and it's so classic, like Leafs Twitter, yeah. basically calling for this change for weeks and weeks and weeks, and literally one game after, yeah. they're talking, they're talking about changing it back. It's like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so on brand for yeah. us. Just like, oh my god, you're 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 calling for this. You're calling for this when you see it, and then okay, Austin and Willie go minus one, and then everyone's like, why did they break up the Willie line? Yeah, yeah. Do you not hear yourself? Did you uh, were you not paying attention to what you were saying for the past four weeks? It kind of reminds oh me of God. like when you have to make a trade, like in anything. But like, let's think about like fantasy, whatever sport you do, and people are like, uh, I want that player, and you're like, Well, I want that player, and you're like, Well, I'm not giving him up. I'm like, Well, to get something, you need to give something. And so mm-hmm. the idea that like, Well, I don't want Marner and Matthews together anymore. Okay, well, put Nylander up there. Well, don't break up that line. You're like, Hey, man, I, we live in a real world. You got to actually do stuff here. Like, uh, drives me crazy. This is why we're unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It is. It honestly yeah. is. It is. Um, someone who's probably unhappy is John oh. Klingberg right now. Ah. Uh, John Klingberg has found himself on Robida Island, uh, joining the likes of Stefan Robida, yeah. uh, Joffrey Lupel, Nathan Horton, mm-hmm. Matt Murray. Yep. Who else? Who else uh, is there? Is that everyone? I think that's everyone. Yeah, that's everyone, which is a pretty good list uh, so far. We have to go back. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back. <laughs> Still one of the best moments of television. Blew my mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something very interesting. While, while we were uh, recording last time, True Living was talking about how Klimberg will be seeing a specialist in New York to determine the severity of the injury and whether this is going to be allowed to play the rest of the season. The, it's just, it's a remarkable story for a lot of reasons. I obviously, we're going to come off the top and go like, hey, I don't believe anything nefarious is going on because so many eyes are on Toronto for, for LTIR stuff. Also, the player needs to agree to this. Like, this is not a demotion where, like, I'm telling you you need to do this. The player has to be complicit in the idea that, like, I can't play again this season. Okay, that's totally fine. And the other thing I'd say about the Toronto LTIR issues in the past is no player has ever come back from LTIR on another team and played well or played at all. So that's the other part that's going, like, I think it's just there's nothing nefarious going on. If we can all agree on that, okay, great. 
Then the second half of that is, isn't this really weird? Isn't this really weird that he, 10 games in, has a debilitative uh, hip injury that doesn't allow him to play, that his career might be in jeopardy? What doctors looked at him? What doctors looked at him when he signed to Toronto? And what doctors looked at him when he's been traded twice in the last two years? This is all just so odd. It is odd. Yeah. And just speaking on your coming back, yeah. unless, you're Nikita, unless you're Nikita Kucherov. Oh, right. Mother, Kucherov. Yeah. Oh, Mark Stone. Yeah. Okay. Right. He but, looked pretty but good. But his was hit. Yeah. But his was like fucked, right? Like, wasn't his back like absolutely fucked? Isn't okay, his yeah. back always absolutely fucked? Well, do you always hear rumors. Okay. You're right. I should not mention the Kucherov thing and Stone in the same breath because you you hear the Stone thing every once in a while. They're like, uh, you heard in the offseason, he might retire. Like, it was one of those, yeah. like, he won the Stanley Cup. Now he might retire. You're like, oh, his back's that bad? Yeah. He's like yeah. young, too. It's crazy. But yeah, you're right. It's it's weird that this kind of came up based on no specific play, yeah, uh, or no specific moment, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. we're talking about Klingberg being out for the year, maybe being out for the year. I think what's going to happen now is the specialist is going to be like, "Do you need surgery, or do you want surgery, or not?" And if he wants surgery, he's out for the year. If not, then he continues to rehab and go on LTIR until that time frame kind of comes up and you see if he, it ever gets better. I, I don't know. It, it's just, uh, it's so bizarre. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's such an odd story. Like I do, like, because I don't believe anything nefarious is going on, it actually makes it a little weirder. If I believe this was all big, big conspiracy theory and it was just like, and yeah, he's just got to go away for a bit so we can save cap money. You'd be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's one thing. Since I don't think that's true. Then this is so strange. The number of people that have looked at him gave him the AOK and nine games in, he went, yeah, I, I can't play. And the other one too, that was so weird. They're like, oh, that trip to Sweden didn't help him. Like, then why was he on the plane? He didn't play a fucking game. <laughs> like, I just, I, what the hell is going on around here? Yeah, it, it's, it's something that obviously we're going to follow throughout the rest sure, of the year, yeah. but we'll get some more clarity soon on, on whether he elects to have surgery and, and then where he goes from there. Yeah. Weird situation. Very weird, weird situation. situation. But, you know, I don't know. I hope, hope he's healthy. I hope he feels okay. Uh, Seems like a nice guy. Egregious time? I don't know. It kind of ties into the John Klingberg thing. This is egregious! Oh, sure. Yeah, let's make this because this is egregious. This is egregious! This is egregious. As we all know, Leaf Nation is no stranger to exaggeration or overreaction. I myself have found myself saying egregious things many a time <laughs> because I'm a Leaf fan. However, the segment is to highlight how ridiculous and egregious the Toronto media can get. So Jonas Siegel was on first up uh, and talked about John Klingberg, and they basically asked him, do you think Kyle Dubas would have signed John Klingberg? And Jonas responded, I don't think there's any way Dubas would have signed John Klingberg. <laughs> Why is this the way we're framing questions? <sighs> because do you think Kyle Dubas would have traded two first round picks for Phil Kessel? No, but that's not the time frame that Kyle Dubas was the general manager of the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs. And Kyle Dubas is no longer the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. No. I was a big Dubas guy. I like Kyle Dubas. I was gutted when he left. That being said, we move on. Yes. We have Brad Tree living now. We are... Given the cards we're dealt, we move on and we try to succeed with what we have. So dwelling on would this person who's no longer with the franchise have done this is is just pure Toronto media. It's just like it's it's trying to get everyone upset. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's a pure hypothetical. So there's no way to prove that it's right or wrong. So it's a perfect radio segment where now we just get to argue. 
You know, like it's it because it, by framing the question that way, the the person that's asking it and the person that's receiving it have opinions on Kyle Dubas already. And so now they're just saying like, hey, let's battle about this thing that's not real. You know, I, it's 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 not very far away from like, what would win a tiger or a shark? And you're like, well, I don't know. And you're like, neither would I. Let's argue about it for a few hours. Like, it's just so stupid. Yeah, a shark would. Okay. Well, there you go. See, opinions. Uh, you know, okay. We'll have to do on part three of this podcast. We'll yell about the shark versus a tiger. Uh, yeah, it's you know what mine kind of leads into it too. So I think we can just kind of do both here and then talk about it. Uh, mine's from Steve Simmons, which I will say it is very impressive that we are on episode nine, uh, part two of this podcast, and Steve Simmons has not made an appearance so far in this outrageous. I just, True. I laugh so hard that why are we as Toronto Maple Leafs fans so cynical and so down on the team? And it's like the people that we <laughs> grew up reading and following hate the team. <laughs> and so we're yeah. like, I read them every day. Like, yeah, fuck these guys. These guys are awful. Steve Simmons, uh, bag of meat and bag of hot air. Uh, this is the article he wrote for his uh, Sunday notes column. Kyle Dubas put the Toronto Maple Leafs in an impossible situation. That's a headline. Okay. First of all, why are we still talking about him? We need yeah. to move on. This is just yeah. long and short of it. We need to move on. But here are the main points he brings up in the article. He brings up the Tavares signing, which is very interesting because Kyle wasn't the GM at the time. But on top of that, John Tavares, we need to lay off him. He has absolutely lived up to the deal. I understand that you go, well, we haven't won a Stanley Cup. That was not implicit in the contract. That was a, maybe an addition that we would have loved. But he's performed very well. He's been a very mm-hmm. good captain. He goes John's to everything. And he's been great on the ice. So everyone relax. Uh, he mentions how the Marner signing was too much. Now, okay, hey, that's whatever. You can argue that if that's how you feel, but whatever. Uh, and then he talked about the most recent Austin Matthews signings. He likes the amount, but for not enough years. Again, Dubas wasn't the GM when he re-signed. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> and now he mentions that Nylander is going to get a big raise 18 months after Kyle Dubas was the GM. I just don't, how much longer is this going to happen? I just, I fear that in six years we'll be like, in Kyle Dubas's last uh, draft, this is, this is how the results went. You're like, guys, we need, we need, it looks pathetic. We need to move on. Uh, yeah, you're incredibly right and accurate. It's Steve Simmons making his first appearance uh, is crazy Crazy uh, that it's uh, in episode nine. Steve Simmons, who are you and why are you talking to me? <laughs> that's Joey's legendary Jose Batista uh, impression. I, that's, that's the best moment ever. I loved when Jose Batista did that. Oh, God, just heat off on him like a baseball. It was fantastic. Steve Simmons always finds his way to the middle of it. And I will say in any way, uh, I'm very impressed by his steely uh, uh composure that he likes put making himself part of the news uh, sure. that's fine you know the phil For kessel sure. thing with the hot dogs obviously that's a big one too but otherwise he just kind of writes dribble and so this is just insane and it is it's just straw man argument stuff where you go you know what would have kyle dubas done that like kind of you're this is egregious and you go oh, i don't know man you could say whatever you want so steve simmons uh, this is egregious yeah, super egregious. Next up, we've got uh, two more games to finish our homestand. We have got Seattle on Thursday and a yep. big one in Boston on Saturday. Um, are we going to take another too many men penalty? Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up because there's two Sheldon Keefe things I want to talk about. Yes, the eighth too many men penalty this season. If you're counting, that is 19 games in, 20 games in. Yeah, 20 games in. 20 games in. And we've taken eight too many men penalties? This is insane. And so I heard, you know, funny enough, you were talking about Jonas Siegel. I heard him talking about this as well. I think it was in an article where he goes, that blame is not all on the coach. And you go, yeah, I get that technically it's not all the, on the him. But at the end of the day, he is the head coach of the team. And that blame has to fall somewhere. You're, you're, you're organizing this team. That's an insane amount of penalties. It is. I, like... 
I do. Yeah, it kind of depends on how the the too many many the too many men penalty happens, right? Is it like sure. is it two guys coming over the boards when one guy is not, and that's Sheldon's fault, yep. or is it two guys jumping over the boards when the two guys coming off aren't far enough towards the boards yet? And I would say that's more the player's fault. Yeah, sure, um, sure, sure. So it it kind of it's kind of like that same argument of like when a team shows up flat, mm-hmm. like Who, whose and, fault and is pe- it? People blame the coach, and I'm like, yeah, but like. Are we expecting the coach to give some sort of Friday Night Lights insanely <laughs> motivational speech before every single one of our 82 games? Or at, at what point are we going to look at the players and say, no, you're accountable for yourself showing up flat? Yes. Um, yes. Obviously, the natural reaction is to go to the coach and point to the coach and blame the coach because that's what we do. Everyone wants to blame someone. And sure. blaming the coach is the easiest thing to do because firing a coach is easier than trading a player. Yeah. Or benching a superstar. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is that argument. I think eight, what is it? Eight or nine? Too many? Pe- eight, I think? It's actually, I think it's nine after last night. Ugh, it's too many. Oh, it's it's insanely too many. Um, I think the blame should fall on everyone. I think mm-hmm. just to say this is a Sheldon problem is kind of, you're not looking at everything because every single too many men situation is kind of different. Kind of like yes. last night when Florida baited the refs into calling the one against us. Because um, Florida had one earlier, uh, which, uh, yeah, whatever. They had seven guys, too, which is actually remarkable. Yeah, so basically what I want to see this this week, not another too many men penalty. That's what I want to see. Holy, I think that's a great one. And while we're talking about Sheldon, too, I think I don't personally care to see him be demonstrative on the bench. It's not like I see him tear a strip into the team, which is exactly what he did last night, very loudly and very much in public. I loved it. I, you know what? <laughs> that is totally fine. There are so many people out there that want to see that out of Sheldon. They see that he's a grumpy guy, but they don't see his interactions in the in the locker room and stuff, which I can only imagine are very similar to the ones we saw. But people want to see it in public. They want these guys to get ripped apart because that's how they feel at home. So if anything, he gave those people what they wanted. And uh, as as Joey uh, put on uh, Twitter, he read his lips and then put it in a tweet, which is yeah. exactly, and it's it's perfect. What did what did he say again? Uh, I'm gonna pull it up. <laughs> yeah, pull it up. I just he was the color of his suit. He was like mauve. It was yeah, incredible. Was as red as his suit. It was awesome. I love when Sheldon gets angry. It's one of my favorite things in the yeah. entire world. So you um, have when he walks up and down the bench yelling at everyone. But the thing he, you, we don't get is when he's right in Berdusi's ear screaming at him. <laughs> Holy yeah, when, smokes! When he gets low and uh, gets down in Bertuzzi's ear, which he then kind of clarified that his blow up was directed at Bertuzzi and he's like other guys get it it's just that's what the cameras saw yeah um yeah you know at that moment he was giving it to Bertuzzi uh but yeah uh so I couldn't tell what he was saying when he was like (laughs) tilting his head down low but I got the beginning of the rant I'm just trying to pull it up this is this is one of Joey's skills well this is me trying to read his lips he said something along the lines of and I'm clearly paraphrasing Fucking have a fucking conscious. That's a fucking hockey team. Blank couldn't figure it out. Go out there with no fucking purpose. Uh, Sheldon was pissed, and I love angry Sheldon. I love it's it. so funny. Um, he gets so red and angry. It's like it's 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 so entertaining. It's my favorite. It really is. You know, like a dog with a muzzle. His suit looks like he's restraining him back from tearing somebody apart. Like his suit mm. gets tighter on his body somehow, where he's like just like ready to explode. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know what? At that moment, too, I felt like that at home. I was like, this team, what the hell is wrong with them? They're so listless. Yeah. You know, and much like a fight or whatever, you can never tell if you can 
go back to these moments to see, was this when we turned it around? But it's oddly coincidental in its timing that the team started playing a lot better right afterwards. Yeah. Last yeah. thing I want to get into before the numbers game. Uh, obviously, we've got Boston on Saturday. The last time we played Boston, Brad Marchand uh, yeah. obliterated Timothy Lilligren's legs. Yeah. So what do we see? Because as mm. we know, nothing was done. No. This is kind of like a situation in baseball where if this was in baseball, Brad Marchand would be getting pelted with yeah. a 99 mile an hour fastball to the back. Right to the back. And that's just what happens. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens here, because obviously hockey is a much more dangerous um Physical. High intense sport, physical yeah. sport that you can't just go try to take Brad Marchand's head off because there are going to be repercussions. There are going to be fines. There's going to be suspensions. So how do you go about this and do it smartly? Is that a word? Yeah, yeah, smart. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I the, the problem is winning the game is the best thing you can do. And no one's going to want to hear that. Everyone's going to be rolling their eyes and stuff like that. But let's say Ryan Reeves breaks Brad Marchand's jaw in like the first period, but we lose 5-1. Then did we really win anything? Like, did, are we going to go, good, I feel good about this game? Like, no, you're going to walk away feeling kind of shitty and you got like your cheap vengeance. I think the best thing you can do is play a very physical game and every opportunity you can, you're going to finish your check on Brad Marchand. Like, I, I don't think you're going to go outside the lines. I think it's just all inside and there's somebody touching him at all times. Exactly. Yeah. I exactly. Um, Brad Marchand is not going to let himself get close to Ryan Reeves. So no. any sort of fantasy that you have of Ryan Reeves, like kicking the shit out of Brad Marchand, it's not going to happen. No, Brad Marchand. I know even though we have last change on Saturday, cause we're home. Mm-hmm. He is going to skate so far away from Ryan Reeves. Just as the, Brad Marchand would do. The best but, opportunity that they have of meeting is in the hallway. Like they're not going to yeah, meet exactly. on the ice. Yeah. It's, it's someone else. It's a Jake McCabe. It's a William Loggerson Loggerson stapling Brad Marchand to the boards and, and exactly given that check that extra oomph before you skate away that extra oomph maybe that extra little face wash after the whistle yes maybe that acts extra little jersey tug a little you know a little Matthew Kachuk rat faced ass motherfucker punch mm-hmm. to the face mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're probably gonna get called for it but yeah it's it's finish your checks and don't do something stupid where you put a shorthanded and then we know. Boston's power play is lethal. Any yeah, really power good. play with David Pasternak is lethal. So I would just say be smart about it, but definitely let him know that what happened was yeah. not cool. Yeah, you know, and Brad Marchand will put himself in situations where he'll be in front of the net. Like the, you know, wall will cover the puck yep. and he'll take a swipe. And then you have a then you have a green light to just attack him. You know what I mean? You can yep. jump him, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying punch him, but you can grab him a little bit. And that's that's the opportunities you need to take. But be patient about it, be smart, you know? Yeah. Your target will be out. I'm just all I'm saying. It's like, it's not like, you know, the first time Brad Marchand goes down, they're all eyes are going to be on it. So it's not, it's not something they haven't talked about before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's do all right. Test me. The numbers game. I need to say also as a preface to the numbers game, a game where I put Joey on the spot to see if he can remember Lee's from eras past and what number they wore. Joey is currently canonically 17 for 18, but I want to give him credit. He's actually 19 for 20 because we did this already. And I'm going to mention which numbers we did. But each player he gets wrong between now and the All-Star break, Joey will donate $10 to the You Can Play Project, a foundation working to ensure the safety and inclusion for all who participate in sports. Thank I need you for to saying that. I Thank d- you. Yes, you did it. You did it. And I need to say the two players he got previously, and so it's going to go canonically against it, is Uncle Leo Komarov, which of course is number... 47. Thank you. And you got John Michael Lyles, which is number... 
24. John Michael Smiles. <laughs> I thought that but, was pretty good. I thought Lyles was maybe going to get him, but yeah, very, very good. It almost did. It, it made mm-hmm. me think for a bit. I had to think. Um, it was between two numbers, but yeah, 24. Uh, but no, we're not going to count that towards the record because no. we don't have evidence. So I'll, st- <laughs> I'll stay 17 for 18 for now. All right. 17 for 18 and two new players coming into Joey's numbers game here. This week, Ooh. we are going to be talking about the 2012-2013 lockout short oh. season. Oh, okay. I know. Very interesting. Okay. The first player I'm going to do uh, who played 44 games for that season is going to be Colton Orr. 28. Colton Orr. Ty Domi. 28. Easy. <laughs> Joey is correct. He played. He was number 28. It's also, it is an easy number because tough guy in Toronto uniform wearing number 28 kind of like rings a bell. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah. there you go. You see, One- and you see a, a good amount of like... And I don't blame people for buying this. You see a good amount of Colton Orr jerseys sometimes when you go to games. You really do. The amount of jerseys you see that you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And then now for the second player who played 45 games that season and is the current director of culture and inclusion for MLSE is Mark Frazier. Oh, shit. I want to say 45. Let's check here. Is Joey going to go two for two? Mark Frazier wore number 45. He is correct. Let's two go. for two. <laughs> Two for two again. He is now. I was just like, just go with it. It's That was what kind of, I was like, just go with it. Don't second guess yourself here. That is incredible. Incredible you got that. Mark Frazier is still an employee of the MLSE. And he is now, Joey is now 19 for 20 on the season. <laughs> Fantastic Sick. stuff. All right, some NHL news. Jacob Truba uh, took two hands and baseball battered his stick <laughs> to a player's face and only yep. got fined $5,000 for it and didn't get any sort of suspension we've seen a lot worse or sorry not worse yeah a lot less uh be penalized a lot worse uh just something that i'm thinking about when austin matthews uh cross-checked rasmus dahlin and the stick rode up and hit dahlin in the face austin matthews a first-time offender got two games um two hands and a slash to the face got him zero games zero games five thousand you didn't get the max fine uh, make it make sense. Make it make sense. I, it, it doesn't. Jacob Truba is not a first-time offender. He has been, he is known as a physical player, and he has had some disciplinary stuff in the past. And he took two hands, like a golf swing, right to the head. Uh, he's just, the only reason it is a $5,000 fight, well, I can't really explain this, but I, I would imagine this is the player's safety going through George Barris's thick skull, is the idea of saying, well, he didn't make contact with his face. <laughs> like, honest to God, he made contact with his helmet, so, uh, you know... I have no idea. I don't know, man. Like so the, stupid. The DOPS is so backwards just based on how inconsistent it is. Yeah. And I think that's all anyone wants to see, whether it's refing or whether it's punishments, is just consistency. And yep. you don't get that. Uh, and you do feel like George Peros has it out for certain players or certain teams. And maybe hiring a former enforcer uh, whose career was ended by the by Colt Noor. Oh, hell of a bad. By Colt Noor. Wow. By Colt Noor. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's going to have some sort of bias when yeah, dealing maybe. with this. I just, the consistency, the consistency is out the window yep. and uh, it's pretty frustrating. <laughs> well, it's, it is, it, it becomes a real roulette wheel spin of going, wonder what the punishment is going to be. And then you go, wow, $5,000 fine. How about that? You know what I mean? Like there are ones yeah. that are way too steep. And then there's ones that are way too lenient. And I, there are seemingly no reasons for why they choose anything. It's really frustrating. Yeah. Remember when we got the Brandon Shanahan, when Brandon Shanahan was the DOPS yes. leader and we got the video, like where he explained why every yeah. single time. Like <laughs> he looked like he was, introdu- back. 
They should. They should justify why he thinks that that's yeah. five dollars is fine. I used to make fun of those videos because it looks like he was introducing the new iPhone, but it was <laughs> it was like it, he would sit there and be like, "Hello, welcome," you know, like you're like, "What the hell is this?" Uh, but now I kind of miss it because there's this uh, shroud of mystery around it where you go, "How'd you determine that?" It just feels like they picked a number out of the air. Yeah, we want to know how you came up with that number or that lack of number. Um, yeah. Anyways, just more consistency. Uh, something that's kind of fun. The All-Star Game in Toronto this year is adding a third day, Thursday night. We are going to see the draft again. Uh, so obviously everyone remembers when Phil Kessel went last. Yeah. Uh, and and Ovechkin taking a photo of Yeah, him and- taking pictures. And then the next year, Ovechkin basically holding a sign that says, pick me last, I want a car. Uh, and yeah, I, I think... This is good because I nights like this will get a lot more personality from the players yes. and we'll get players on the mic, um, which we don't get during the skills competition, really. Uh, and obviously we don't get during the boring actual all-star game. Ugh. I'm not going to watch Saturday, but no. I'm going to watch the Thursday. I'm going to watch the draft because I assume in Toronto, one of the Leafs will probably be one of the captains. I, I would assume. Probably. And I'm assuming this is Willie Nylander's first all-star game. So I would, I'd like to see uh, some of the fun that ensues there. Yeah, I, I'm just, you know what, the draft, the NBA got rid of their uh, all-star draft and, you know, whatever, fine. They don't have an, the NBA doesn't have an issue. All of their players are kind of personalities. We know what a lot of them think all the time because they're posting on social media or they're saying kind of uh, you know, landish things. Hockey players desperately need to show their personality. We know it's in there mm-hmm. somewhere, but it's been beaten out of them. So just excuses like this to, to show a little bit of humor and like, you know, ribbing and stuff would go a long way. Yeah, something to look forward to. I think we'll get some some laughs out of that one in uh, good old February. February. (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait. Oh, boy. Yeah, all right. I think that is all the time we have today. Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, we appreciate the hell out of all you good buds. We'll talk soon. Go, go. Go, go. You can follow us on Twitter at GoodBudsPod. Any questions you'd like us to answer on the podcast, you can send to GoodBudsPod at gmail.com. The song you're listening to is Adelaide by Taylor Whitaker of Bad Friends. Adelaide is available wherever you find music. I know we haven't talked. I know we haven't talked in a while, but my hands have missed the feel of your cold black hair. Screw you, Sam Bennett. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!